This is the Blockade Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Jared. You are listening to the Blockade Pinball Podcast. I am your host, Chris Freebus, aka Shut Your Trap. Joining me as always, halfway across the world, Jared Morgan. Hello and good morning still yes it is morning still here <laughs> it's a bit later than normal isn't it though because it we're... is it's a little bit evening-ish for me a little bit yes we've, we've done the schedule evening. before once or we twice have. yeah it seems to work a lot usually when i was at uh work and we couldn't fit it on the weekend we usually do a lunchtime right. recording and it tends to work out pretty well right and, and yeah. at least now you're not having to you know be sipping on some coffee to, to wake up you've already i don't have a problem with sipping on coffee well... <laughs> <laughs> at all like no problem but it was nice not to have to rush, like shovel the food in and then sort of rush into here and uh, start recording. Right. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that, that's, that was nice. The, uh, the, uh, the women folk are off at Disney on Ice today. Oh. So uh, Zachary and I are at home. Zachary's on his iPad programming things with his Sphero. Um, <laughs> so he's having a great time out there. Great. Keep him busy. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Jared... Mm-hmm. The, the, the doomsday day is here. It, it's finally arrived. It is. Yes, well, NBA free agency. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's, I gotta, I gotta honestly say though, it's been funny because, um, obviously, well, okay. So this is going to be broadcast to everybody a couple of days from now, but when we're recording this here is for me, it's live. Exactly. So we actually have real life in time conversation. Exactly. It's yes. June 30th which is the last day for the Williams Valley tables to be on sale with uh, inside Pinball Arcade. That's it. That, that's right. Well, I can tell you that it's actually the 1st of July here right. at the moment. Um, and the world is about to end. So um, <laughs> just giving you a forewarning because, you know, from, from the, uh, the, the part of the world that's ahead of the Northern Hemisphere, right. um, looking grim. So strap on on and get ready for it. That's right. Um, but it's also, it is also tonight at midnight, but my time will be nine o'clock, uh, is when oh. NBA free agency starts. And in our local market, because uh, for the Lakers, the fact that we might be getting LeBron James, uh, that's, LeBron all that's, been, James. that's all that's been talked about on the radio for sport on sports radio for the past two weeks. <laughs> And so I've literally been just waiting for this weekend to just hurry up and get here and kind of be done so Mm -hmm. that all the talk that's been on the forum can go away and all this chatter on the radio can go away and life can resume normalcy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Man, I imagine getting LeBron James. It's a pretty big deal. (laughs) It's a pretty big deal. So, you know. Well, and it's one of those things where it's, 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 uh, there's a lot of dominoes that are going to fall depending on who Mm -hmm. signs and who doesn't. And, so there's a, there's a fair amount of intrigue, but that's not why people tune into this show. Uh, no. Well, not normally. Not for not basketball. Normally. I don't, we, we almost never talk about sports. So let's no. not get onto a bad trend there. Yeah, um, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. I will, well, talk about, I will talk about, though, and I cannot believe this, and I should have expected it, and then what I expected is happening. So, okay, here it mm-hmm. is, the last day for sales of this. Yep. And I was like, there's going to be people that are absolutely positively holding out until the very last second to purchase yep. this. The bitter end, as it and, were. And I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. 
other than that, maybe there's a, a like a a thrill of getting it right at the wire and you know waiting until the last possible second. But at the same hand, I also think these people are kind of hoping that they get denied it so that then they have something to complain about. <laughs> well, yeah, there is always the the whole concept of FOMO, fear of missing out. Right. So so perhaps these people thrive on FOMO. Um, I don't know. And they, and, they dig it. And, and I understand, like, one person was saying uh, yesterday, they were like, well, I'm just waiting for my paycheck. And I went, what, you haven't had a paycheck for the last two months when this has <laughs> been announced? Yeah, but then, they, but exactly. then they, they also said, well, no, I paid for the $150 uh, cabinet version and I had to buy all the seasons. I'm oh, okay. That's a, that's a yeah, rather large chunk of change. That's unusual though, that, that those must've been people that were well and truly new to the whole franchise because most people by now would have actually had all the seasons or the ones they wanted. Well, I know Godly that collection. this information has popped up on even sites like IGN. Uh, so right. So the reach is broad. Exactly. I think the reach is broad mm. and there's been a lot of that. Hey, did you know this program existed? Because it's about to lose all the good stuff. Yeah, um, so you might want to, you know, get, pull your finger out and actually get this right. done. Right? But even still, <laughs> it was it was one of those things where it's like, okay, fine, you want to save up your money, but what, you want to buy it all in one go as opposed to maybe spread it out? I don't know. Over paychecks. Yeah, I don't right. know. Do it installments. Lay, lay away so, for, um, so then what, for DLC. <laughs> then what I figured was going to happen is people are going to miss out. And they're going to yeah. complain. And oh gonna, yes! And they're going to complain because, well, it it no longer is available on the on the PlayStation Store. Well, yeah, yeah. I said to everybody that it was going to be gone on the twenty eighth, and then it was just. Uh, and I just saw this post today. They're like, I tried to buy it on Steam, but it's not available anymore. Well, no, it's available in game. Oh, because I was waiting for a twenty percent off, and we're like, <laughs> no, <laughs> we. I'm sorry, but. Farsight has made the announcement that no, it will not go on sale. We've made it in our podcast. No, it's not going to go on sale. If you went onto the forum, there's various points, including on our main headline thing. It's no discounts. Not going on sale. No discounts. Yeah. So it's it's amazing how they'll still find a way <laughs> to make it make it sound like oh, you know, there's something there's something wrong with it. There's something wrong. Right. It's like mm, right. That's so why I imagine I imagine that tomorrow something. there's going to be posts going. I'm so angry that this is gone that I wasn't able to get it. It wasn't. Well, you know, you had two months. <laughs> sucks to be you, mate. Like it, it really does. Sucks to be you. It does. And now go fly the Jolly Roger and you know find that version. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know, we know some people. <laughs> you don't even have to look far, Jared. You really don't. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Especially um, on Steam. It, it, that's what I'm talking about. And and believe me, the guys up at Farsight are well aware of it. Um, yeah, and they might just accidentally turn a blind eye, maybe. Maybe. That. Well, you know, yeah, especially since some of the comments that I heard, uh, one of them was from one of the people up there. They were like, yeah, I really want to just make everything for the whole collection for $1 on the final day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, that would be really unfortunate if that just happened to slip out on the final day. Oh, a misconfiguration in the pricing structure in Steam. What are we going to do about that? Oh, I'm sure, that, I'm sure that uh, Scientific Games would come back at them and be like, well, what are you going to do about it? Is you're gonna pay us over a buttload of money, <laughs> probably, yeah, because they, you know, they don't miss a trick, unfortunately, no. well, as it seems, you know, as it seems. So, anyway, so I, I, like I said, I'm kind of a we'll be able to breathe a sigh of relief and maybe talk about other things finally in the podcast. Maybe. I don't know, um, maybe, but maybe, maybe not, someone will pick this thing up. Who knows? I don't who know, knows. Yeah. but we're not there yet. 
we've got one last podcast to really just dive into this. Yeah. And we've got a special guest to help us dive into it. Um, yeah. The, they had questions and we might have answers. So we why don't we go ahead. potentially have answers. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and bring on uh, Greg Holden. You may know him from his YouTube channel called Spacey's Arcade. Welcome, Greg. Hey, guys. Hey, there, Greg. Thanks for joining us from the um, the Western Seaboard of Australia. <laughs> Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely. So, yeah, now I've got two people on the other side of the world. I think it's going to you know cause the, the, the world to tilt here. Uh <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with this, actually. I'm glad that we actually have another Aussie on the podcast to actually um, <laughs> deal with the, the slight delay that we have to deal with with YouTube Live. Um, <laughs> going all the way back to the US and then coming back to Australia, then going back to US again. <laughs> It'll be kind of good. Amazing that it works as well as it does. Yeah. Um, so, Greg, tell us, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Spacey's Arcade? Yeah, sure. So, um, Spacey's Arcade really is just a, is following my journey to create an ultimate arcade. Uh, and the ultimate arcade from my perspective, because <laughs> you know, a lot of people on there saying, you know, you should have this machine or that machine, or why don't you like this, that or the other? And that's not really what the channel is about. It's really about documenting my journey of putting together my own arcade. And funnily enough, from that perspective, it's it's a little bit of a selfish channel. You know, it's not a it's not <laughs> a commercial it's not a commercial venture. It's not a um, you know. I, it's not about facts. It's a, it's about my opinions, my journey, and just sharing what I'm doing on a week to week basis. Um, and I really set it up because you know I started putting together this arcade, and I thought, geez, I'm doing so much. I'm spending so much work and time in here. Sort of need to justify to my wife while I'm sort of buried up in the in the man cave for so so long. And, um, so I thought, you know, why not? document it why not share it if some people can get something out of it um then great but it's not actually there funnily enough to serve a youtube audience <laughs> i know that might sound a bit strange um but you know a lot of people obviously set up youtube uh the um channels for the commercial side of things but i haven't done so that doesn't mean that down the track you know that there might be a commercial angle on it i was uh one of the the lucky youtube channels that got struck off the um um the advertising revenue from YouTube anyway, because uh, I the thousand uh, thresholds. So I'm on seven hundred odd uh, um, subscribers now. But again, it didn't bother me because it was like, well, whatever. I mean, I'd, I'd earned probably over two years enough to buy, I think, a coffee and a muffin. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, very sustainable revenue, right? About 70, what was I up to then? About 60, I think, actually. 60 videos at about, uh, you know, two hours of recording, three hours of editing each. <laughs> and that was pretty much my my payday from, from Google. So, yeah, it's definitely not about the money. Um, that would have been the sweetest coffee and muffin you ever tasted in your life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, got to savor that one for sure for all that yeah, work. Yeah. No, so for those of our audience that are uh, happen to be watching the YouTube feed of this, uh, right behind Greg, he's a little sample of his uh, cave there. He's got a Neo Geo machine. We've got uh, oh, looks like looks like some ancient yeah. basketball game. I don't know. Is that like vector graphics yeah. kind of thing? It's quite funny actually because um, I'm actually in my study. Um, <laughs> these machines, so I'm not actually in the arcade. No. Oh. And that's the that's the problem that I have um, at the moment. I've literally run out of room 
in the arcade. So now machines are being dotted around the house. I, I got some here in the in the study, um, but now they've actually overflowed out into the living area where my lovely wife and kids are. Um, and how's that I, going down? I'm sure the kids like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I sort of keep having to say that it's temporary, and you know I'll move them. But I've got I've got games in the garage. I've got games out um, out on the on the outside deck as well. They're they're covered up. So yeah, I've, I've got a bit of a I've got a bit of a addiction problem. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if problems the right word. <laughs> it's because these games come up and they're, and they're such good price and I have such a nostalgic attachment to them. Um, mm -hmm. I can't, I just can't let them go. If the price is right, I can't let them go. I, I don't, I don't go out and, and buy things at stupid prices. Um, I'm out there trying to save a lot of games that need a little bit of repairing and stuff, which I can do. Um, mm. Uh, and part of that, funnily enough, and 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 doing this uh, channel, it's been the journey of picking up these machines, which has been probably almost one of the most fun part of it. Um, but I do find myself doing so much working on the games. I feel like I'm running an arcade. I feel like I'm an arcade <laughs> operator suddenly, and I'm not actually playing the damn things because I'm all bloody working and problems and software issues, and you know, bloody using Jabber pies and just using all sorts of different types of hardware to get stuff going. And, and uh, yeah, I think I should be paid for that job as well, and I'm not. <laughs> well, I think the good thing is because you're doing a vlog, you can actually help probably other people who are having the same problem with getting these old boards up and running again. And that in itself is invaluable because it sounds like you've got an electrical engineering background or at least some sort of board repair background, um, or perhaps it was inherited along the way. You want to tell us a bit about that? How did you actually get into actually repairing them? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, that's interesting, actually, because I um, I don't actually have uh, not not on that side of things. I've got a background in, in IT, um, and I've done some software programming years and years and years ago. We're talking COBOL. We're not talking. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> old. It's like you have to write two pages of code just to say "Hello World," you know. <laughs> just to declare everything up the front but yeah so i i um I've, I've been in it hardware side of things been you know through doing some computer support and stuff in the early years um is really where i've got my knowledge of of hardware um but i certainly haven't got down into the nitty-gritty i mean i can build my own pcs i know what's sort of going on i can when it comes to looking at circuit diagrams I get a little stuck. Um, I can I sort think of we all do. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I can sort of generally work things out. Um, and at, at the end of the day, I've learned a lot uh, on online as well. So yeah, you're dead right. People may be picking up some good things from me. They might be picking up some bad habits from me. I don't profess to be completely know what I'm doing. And that's the whole purpose is just sharing what I'm doing and even the mistakes that I might make. Um, but I've learned so much off other people's channels. And so, yeah, I, I, I feel it's good to, to give back where I can. Um, that's certainly a, a, a side benefit of doing it. Um, and without YouTube, I probably wouldn't be doing this um, in terms of the knowledge that I picked up. Because yeah. I wouldn't be able to work on the games to the level that I can uh, without it being hugely expensive and having to sub off that, that work. Um, mm. But you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a I, I like solving problems. You know, being in IT, um, you sort of get that mindset. And oh yeah, definitely. 
yeah, I don't mind picking up these old machines and then trying to figure out what the hell's going on with them. So that's just another fun part of the hobby. So the video that uh, brought our attention to you uh, and one of our uh, forum members is the one that uh, linked it on in the forum. It was like, oh, we were basically looking for people wanted to see what the Arcuda software looked like in cab form. And uh, all of a sudden, bam, here's this hour-long video that has lots and lots of, of footage of it running on, on a cab. Um, I think you posted that video probably about two weeks ago. Uh, and within that video, you were showing both the Arcuda software and you know how that was running in your cab, um, as well as visual pinball running, kind of doing side by side comparisons and stuff like that. Out of curiosity, uh, was that a home built cab? Did you buy that cab? What what uh, what do we got running on there for your your pinball cabinet? Yeah, it's a complete. Well, actually, I say ho the cab's not home built in terms of the actual cabinet itself. Was it an original um, uh, World Cup uh, okay. cabinet? And um, the play field for that is actually hanging on the wall. So that, that, that was a gutted cab that I bought years ago uh, in terms of it had no electronics and bits and pieces. And I probably could have got that back and working, but that game itself is not great. Um, yeah. So the cabinet itself is real. Um, it's been, I've, I've got some Theatre of Magic decals on the outside because my channel name originally was called Theatre of Magic. And the All whole right. concept. The whole concept of the room that I built, my my quote quote arcade, uh, started off as a theatre. That so was my no. home theatre. Oh, wow. Getting getting turned into a uh, an arcade as the as this hobby tends to do, it just sort of absorbs and takes over certain rooms. Um, and and the whole concept of the the sort of magical aspect was earlier on. I was more actually into doing a lot of the emulation stuff, and, and I started off main and i started off also with visual pinball and then i branched out into getting real machines um mm -hmm. and sort of dug back into the roots of of the nostalgia that i have for all the the old old games so that's that's sort of how it transpired so that's why we've got theater of magic decals on the side of it which is a co t total um mismatch and i'm sure people will complain that you know i've got a uh, dmd style um decals on the side of a non-DMD cabinet. <laughs> 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 These are the things that we do, right? So um, so that's the cabinet. Everything else in it, uh, the PC that I put in there, it was one that I, you know, I just built up myself. Um, mm -hmm. The the screens, uh, just, you know, there's two screens. There's a real DMD uh, running pin. There's pin DMD hardware that runs that, um, which I've got set up in there. And, uh, and I've got some force feedback. Um, I've got a shaker motor and a wiper motor from uh, Z boards. So that's their particular hardware. Uh, there's a plung analog plunger uh, and um, nudge sensitivity or tilt sensor. Uh, that was through VP forums, I think, through a guy on there who goes by the name of No Offense. Um, and uh, that's that part of the hardware. Other than that, I've got some um, some Cree lighting that's running off the, you guys would know about the DOF, um, the direct output framework, which hooks into Visual Pinball, and that allows it to trigger off all the high intensity uh, Cree LEDs, which I've got positioned down the side of the table. And if you see the video, you probably see all the lights going yeah. off. Um, and it's a really, really nice effect. And those are also on the top of the um, the cabinet as well in duplicate. And a lot of people put those 
lights at the end of the table, like in a row of six, whereas oh, I yes. actually three down one side, two down the other. And generally the places where those lights are on real tables, actually quite funny, so many tables have those lights in very similar positions. Yeah. So when they fire off, it really looks like they're flooding across the top of the glass and really giving you that sort of pinball experience. It's oh, interesting because cool. when I saw your cabinet, I almost... I questioned and I realized that you probably weren't going to ship it over from here, but it looked a lot like what VP cabs is doing in terms of having an actual glass with the monitor sunken below the glass, um, you know, to kind of give that cabinet depth uh, effect. They also have lights along the side of their, uh, you know, on the blades basically. Um, so it was one of those things where I was like, guy, that looks a lot like what they're doing, but I know that they don't have anything that's branded theater of magic. So I knew it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't seen what they, what, what those guys are doing in terms of that sort of uh, yeah. setup. But funnily enough, I had a lot of people um, say to me earlier on, like, you know, why have you sunk in the, the, the top screen? And as you say, like a lot of VP cabinets, it's flat. And they yeah. sit mm. right on. Sometimes they do that because I think the, the bezels on some of the TV sets are, are such that they've sort of actually fit them on top or etched out the top and sunk them in a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, I think the bezels have got a lot smaller over the years, obviously. So I think you can, I think you pretty much get a 40 inch now straight in and position any which way you like. But from my perspective, I really felt that um, I wanted that that illusion of, of depth in the cabinet. Mm -hmm. um, does it does achieve that and also i've got a um i've got a real plunger and a uh, a button on the right hand side and the real plunger is lower than the button um and that's because it sits underneath the screen is it the actual screen oh, you've got yeah. clearance right yeah otherwise otherwise, <laughs> otherwise unfortunately you see, would see the plunger right uh, actually yeah. sitting on the screen there so i had to sort of rejig that slightly um, so that might look a little bit odd from from a front perspective in terms of the cabinet view, but it works in my view. It works really, really well. Um, and I can plunge and I can put my hand on the top of the machine, and then I can use my thumb to actually use the button for those ones. It just seems to work work nicely okay. for me. Anyway. Cool. Uh, cool. So within this video, then obviously um, you had to go at the at the software, and that brought up uh, some some kind of issues. And I wanted to kind of get into uh, that just. Now that you've had had it for even a longer bit of time, um, how has been your impression using the 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 software? I'm assuming you did the $150 version of the software, uh, obviously. Yeah, I um, the, uh, Steam key unlock. Yeah, under gunpoint, I bought the uh, the unlock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like gunpoint. <laughs> well, actually, you know, and it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, and you guys, I'm sure know. So they just released on, I think, on the Akuda website, they've got a statement there saying that the cabinet mode unlock will be available after the 30th, but obviously not for the purchase of the Williams tables. I don't know what, I don't know. Yeah. So I gather that they're, they're saying you could still unlock it after it. Probably if you own the tables, I didn't actually yes. say that. But again, just the, the brilliant communication that we usually get, where we have to sort of try and work out what they're actually saying. That's all part of the fun. Um, but I, I believe that's the case. But you know what? The, the 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 funny thing about that, and one of my subscribers actually posted it on that video um, that that's happening. 
and the immediate thing I thought of was, wow, okay, so we've got this massive cash grab to get people to get the unlock key before the 30th. Then a day before, it's like, well, actually, no, you can unlock the cabs after the 30th, but, you know, clearly you still have to have the tables. But it would yeah. mean that people could hold off on that $150 purchase right now if they, if they you know, wanted to unlock it later. Well, they wouldn't have known that before. <laughs> so, you know, well, here's the thing. Arcuda didn't know that beforehand either. Um, this no. literally has been... Uh, In negotiation, pretty much. Yeah, them trying to find out information from Farsight, Farsight trying to find out information from uh, scientific games about what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. And eventually Farsight came to the conclusion that, wait a second, this unlock has nothing to do with Williams tables or Bally tables. It has nothing to do with the sale of those. It's purely our software, you know, paying for our, you know, paying for the development. Um, well, I guess that would be Arcuda's standpoint of paying yeah. for paying for the development costs. Um, so Farsight was really trying to make sure that this was possible and only just released that information to Arcuda. And so Arcuda then came out and be like, Okay, now we've been told that we can have this indefinitely. However, um, and I don't know if this has gotten lost in the shuffle or not, but the yeah, those seventy-six table packs, so the the two five hundred dollar packs, if you will, the standalone version and the Arcuda cabinet version, those absolutely positively you you cannot uh, purchase anymore um, by yourself, basically. So what instead has happened is Arcuda went ahead and basically bought because Arcuda is paying Farsight for all three of these versions. Like whenever they make a sale, they're paying Farsight. So they're paying Farsight for the 150, you know, somebody goes to their website says, "Hey, yeah, I want the $150 version." Boom, they have to pay Farsight that. Somebody does the $500 version, boom, they have to pay Farsight for that. So there's three versions that they're essentially paying for and so they went ahead and bought a block, and we don't know how much or how many of these they did, but they mm. bought a bulk purchase of the Arcuda software version to put into their cabinets so that farther down the line, if people purchase the cabinets, uh, depending on how many they did, they'll still be able to sell the cabinet. They can't advertise what's in the cabinet <laughs> and you know, use that as an advertising feature, but they'll be able to sell those cabinets off uh, for a little bit still, and uh, and people will still be able to to get the software within that. But I think the majority of us that already knew about the game, um, I mean, there's plenty like m myself and Jared included. Uh, we don't have a cab setup, but we have all the games. So it is nice to know that hey, two years down the line or whatever, if all of a sudden I have this ability, eleven thousand dollars, exactly, thousand dollars lying around, Australian. Uh -oh. <laughs> but then I'll be able to then I'll be able to fork over the 150 and be able to have cabinet mode. So <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, and I guess um, guys, it's the it's the timing of this stuff. And I appreciate that that you know they probably followed, you know, followed through the bouncing ball those conversations to get to that conclusion. But it's the timing and the way that it comes out. And without that insight, um it's easy for people like myself to go, wow, you know, massive cash grab last two days. Oh, we can still get it. You know what I mean? It just doesn't come across well. So half the time I think they um, they don't help themselves with the way that they communicate um, what's going on and some of the challenges. 
we've discovered that a lot of these companies don't know how to communicate well with their fans. Um, who knows? Maybe they've been sitting around the boardroom too much, bantering between themselves and think everybody <laughs> knows everything. Um, and then they don't think about the silly questions that we tend to ask. Um, but it's also one of the, like, you keep on saying cash grab. And I know some people immediately thought that it was a cash grab. Just, oh, here's the announcement. And, oh, by the way, you can buy these table packs. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, you initially weren't ever going to be able to buy these table packs. It was going to be exclusively for the Arcuda cabinet. That was their, that was going to be their sell feature. Basically you weren't getting cabinet mode period. Farsight had stopped working on it. They hadn't really worked on it much to begin with. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's kind of funny how the narrative should have been, Oh, Hey, isn't this great that Arcuda is opening the software up for everybody to be able to use and instead, it's kind of turned, and people are like, "Well, how come you know ah, you're just doing this to to you know to, to take the money and run?" And it's like, no, they they're the ones that sunk the development cost into this for their product. <laughs> you're now benefiting because the license is going away. Um, so it it is kind of weird trying to to shape that narrative. Yeah, I, I guess the the thing that is difficult in that narrative is that people that have bought the Pimble Arcade have bought it probably on the pretense of what it's advertised for. And they advertise it as a real pinball simulator to a degree. You yes. go to their main website, they, they talk about painstakingly recreating the pinball experience. And I think this is something that is at the root of probably a lot of the conversations and a lot of the actions out of Farsight. And that is who is their target market really? And what is this product and who is it aimed for? Because I think if they'd actually put on their website right from the outset, hey, this is video pinball for people that like to play pinball that you remember from the old days, but not enthusiasts, I think we'd all be on the same page for what it is. We wouldn't be talking about physics. We wouldn't be talking about why, you know, there's no cabinet support natively in the software. But I think it's that communication that it is some form of simulation. The fact that they've got all the um, the licenses over the years, so they're recreating real tables. They're not doing pinball effects. You know, right. the pinball effects is clearly video pinball. And you play yeah. it on basis, you know, you... I don't mind so much, and I haven't actually ever minded that, you know, um, previously there's been no, you know, force feedback on on, on that. Um, over the years, they've added things like, uh, you know, third screen DMD support and that sort of stuff, but they don't have to, you know, they're not, they're not promoting that whole simulation. Now, as soon as you see all those real tables and you see this company putting this, this product out, it's like, you're going to capture or at least get the attention of, of real pinball enthusiasts and people that are building virtual tables, you know, similar to myself. And it's those people that really, I think, get frustrated because they're like, mm -hmm. why are you having the key things that make this an awesome experience? And that's the things like the physics, you know, and that's the thing is about the force feedback and having those options um, to be able to get closer to that experience. And it's just, I guess made more difficult the fact that you've got software like Visual Pinball available 
and all of that stuff is freely available there and, and you know and it's not right it's not right from a licensing point of view and you know i personally would like to support companies doing the right thing and getting the licenses and delivering the stuff but if they, if they can't deliver the same features that you know the free software can do it it's and as a pinball enthusiast i want to just play the best experience and i can't do that with Farsight's tables yeah unfortunately the when when farsight first developed this uh they were going after and and this is going back before pinball arcade even this is going back to pinball hall of fame they were developing it for the uh console market purely that was it and when they came out with pinball arcade it was hey wait a second we can catch the mobile market too and so that was the the engine that this is built upon it, it was built for mobile and built for uh, console and that was it um and the telling sign of that was it wasn't even made available for steam for the first uh two years of the product uh they didn't know if they wanted to dive into those waters they had to do the steam green light and the only thing that kind of excited them about it was the the aspect of being able to do better lighting um and that was basically it so you're talking about a product that it has not changed its engine this entire time it's probably i think we've figured it's an eight probably an eight-year-old engine yeah about that about that um whereas visual pinball was well, I should say Visual Pinball 10, <laughs> Visual Pinball 7. I don't think Visual Pinball 7 was necessarily meant for cabinets, but uh, Visual Pinball 10 was certainly designed for cabinet use, um, among other things. So you've got one program that's constantly shifting, constantly changing, because all they have to do is change the program, then they make all the, the community is the one that has to go, ah, crap, I got to redesign this table and make it work within you know, Visual Pinball 10. Whereas Farsight is, well, if they change the engine, they're the ones that have to then <laughs> make everything work again and they're not that large of a studio um so i think that's where the now i get what you're saying is oh well they're saying they're doing this detailed recreation or whatever i think it was more for we want people to experience these tables and we're lovingly creating them uh so that they're they're getting that the cabinet niche i mean that's a niche of a niche you know, mm. market here. And so I don't think they ever really, I don't think it's right that they didn't, but they never really saw them as a marketplace. I mean, we're talking about, I think they have something like 25 million unique downloads of Pinball Arcade. And PC is not the main market. It's PS4, and iOS, and then Android, and then Steam, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, and then within the Steam, it's how many people actually have a cabinet. You know, and and, and when, again, when you're dealing with a, such an old engine compared to what Visual Pinball is dealing with, and, you know, you've got an, an individual author who's willing to spend two, three, four months creating that one table that's a lot of man hours that i don't know if the company could justify sure i i 
I think that, um, and I get, I get that, you know, I get that where it's completely niche market. Um, I did mention on on my video that perhaps there was an opportunity missed there in relation to looking at the the spend to appease this very niche market as a marketing angle, as a marketing cost on their side. If you could, you know, if you got the cabinet owners uh, on side, they're the people that love and promote pinball that you would then have them re-promoting their product through YouTube channels and whatnot and just help mm -hmm. extend goodwill, really, of the of the community. Yeah. Um, but notwithstanding that, you know, as you say, probably the massive market that they've got is the casual gamer. Yes. Um, I would still argue that, um, you know, if I was sitting down looking at their, their business model and trying to work out how, how to make the software as successful as possible, that the amount of energy and time I'd be focusing on the actual physics of it would still be a lot, would be proportionally a lot more than I think that they've done um, because it's still a key part of the gameplay experience. Um, even, even the ability to, um, I guess, have levels of difficulty with physics. Because some people might hop on, you know, um, the pinball arcade and go, I actually really like the physics. You know, a casual gamer might go, I really like this. This, this plays really easy. It's really nice. You know, yeah. they might hop on VP, lose the ball within <laughs> three seconds and go, I don't like this. This is not a good gaming experience because it's, you know, it's more true to actually how it, it happens in real life. But, um, but in that case, you would you would tend to like build in levels. You know, here's the basic physics, here's the expert physics, and maybe even sell the the expert physics as an extra extra add on. You know, you know, get get the money back for that. Yeah. But also, um, you know, appease that market because you're still going to have pinball um, uh, enthusiasts as part of the, the the market that sit with their PlayStation controllers. Mm -hmm. They still want oh, yeah. a real game, and they want to be able to come back and play it and have a good time. Um, and if the physics are such that it's just not that, then you won't get that even in that market. We have long argued, and this goes back to my visit during uh, at the end of their uh, Farsight's first season. We've long said, hey, uh, ramp up the difficulty. Uh, give us difficulty differences. Uh, put in tournament mode. Anything of that nature to make the tables more challenging. Uh, now, for a quite a few years the, the of the beginning years the person that was tuning the tables was their vice president bobby king uh so obviously he had other duties also to take care of um that's since been handed off to uh rob who has been trying to go back through many of these and and get them to play a little bit more like um how they actually play and i described in our podcast last week i think it was that uh I had him put up Creature from the Black Lagoon. And I told him, I said, I haven't had a single table that I've played in real life do the ball behavior off of a, a hard launch or, or a hard plunge that you guys have in the game. And I said, now, I don't know if that's the way you have it is the way the game was intended, if it was the way that your machine is tuned or not. And he was right there on the fly, able to kind of you know tweak it and make it do what I've seen it do. But that's kind of the difficulty with <laughs> with these things too. Is it's like, okay, are we trying to make these how they are out of the box, or are we making them the way that almost everybody plays them now, thirty years later? That's actually a really, really good comment because um, you're spot on there. In fact, I've had situations where I've played real pinball, 
and the ball's done something off the flipper that I've gone, that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> I thought to myself, if that was in the pinball arcade, I would have complained to all buggery that that should not have happened. <laughs> yeah. Like if you've ever played on a on a freshly waxed table, that ball does magical things that you wouldn't buy for an instant in video pinball. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Some tables um, have an inordinate amount of spin happening on the ball and uh, all sorts of stuff. So I absolutely get get that. Um, and I think that would be that part of it. Clearly, is very difficult to to recreate, and a lot of programming would have to go into working out. Even with, yeah, you know staging the table in such a way is this a new table is it a worn table and so forth yeah um, some of the you know the visual pinball creators there's been a few tables over the years where there's been a couple releases of old table sort of dynamics where they've actually oh. tuned you know the left flipper down a little bit from the right flipper <laughs> and it's just sort of aged the table from the way it actually plays um but you know clearly there's a lot more work in, in doing that but i think fundamentally like the basic options the basic options to be able to change things like table slope you know table slope is the thing that will help with the the ball speed um and like last night i actually i actually went through the akuda set of tables um from season one up each table I went through each one and i'll be absolutely honest with you guys i have not played every table of theirs because I have no reason to. <laughs> it's, uh, I play a couple of them and I'm like, I really want to enjoy this, but I know I can just flip over into VP and I'm going to really enjoy it. And and that was the problem. But I thought, look, la last night I thought, give it a go. I'm going to go through each table and I'm just going to get a bit of an assessment of what I think of them. And I think overall, um, and I didn't go through all of them because I just, I got bored. I'm sorry. I, I yeah. got bored. The reason why I got bored was I just felt the moon physics. Um, the ball was too floaty in general. Some tables seem to be slightly better than others, I must admit. Um, a couple there were, were sort of playable to 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 a degree of enjoyment. Others, I, I sat there and I thought I could just play this just all night. I'm just not going to finish this game. Yeah. Um, mm. And, and the ball was just not coming to me fast enough. And I think if you just had that table slope option at minimum, you know, just that one thing to get the ball moving around faster, even though the rest of the physics still a little bit dodgy, it would help immensely with playability. What's funny is the flip side of that is their EMs play way too fast. Actually, that is a, cl <laughs> that is a classic <laughs> because uh, which one was it that I, I big shot actually. Yep. I, mm. made, I made that, that that comment i played it and i thought this is enjoyable i actually could play that game for a while <laughs> ironically yeah. came to the conclusion i thought this is great but it's playing faster than it would normally but it's great <laughs> yeah it essentially feels like it's got solid state coils in it not em yeah. coils yeah it's like it's, everything's bouncing around really quick and but just the way that that table's laid out, the ball can drain quite easily. Mm. Um, and uh, so it's, it's a bit of a challenge. Again, the problem with that, though, and for me, um, is not having real nudge uh, for a table setup anyway. I've got right. so used to just nudging the table. And I guess that's the, you know, from a pinball enthusiast perspective, it's not just the, the 
physics uh from the, the video side of things it's that real world moving of the table and yeah if you're that, at a cabinet you're going to want to nudge realistically not push a button to nudge yeah absolutely there's, yeah. there's worlds of difference in that and that's that's a huge part of the pinball experience i think a lot of people don't necessarily realize unless you're a pinball player and so again that's where i know that you you had been kind of critical of arcuda in that regards and that's where i was like well that's one of those things that they're holding for themselves. You know, it's the, Hey, buy our cabinet. Um, and I don't, I know to, to you and to probably a lot of the homebrew community that deals with, uh, this been entrenched in VP, um, that that can kind of come off as, you know, rubbing you wrong. It's like, well, Hey, how come I can't have my coils activated? How come I'm not having my manual plunger do what it's supposed to do? Um, and everything. And it's, I, I totally get your guys' point of view, but I also get Arcuda's point of view. And and part of that, and this is where I don't think that you were aware of this, they are developing, uh, they're having boards made that are their own tilt board. It's not using a plumb bob. It's using a accelerometer, I believe. Uh, but their own tilt bob, or their own tilt board, and their own plunger board. And uh, those are not going to be compatible with uh, what's, what else is out there on the market is software specifically written to those boards. So within the software that you're getting to play, uh, it just plain isn't going to run on, on the regular thing. It's going to have to be the, the button style. Now, unless somebody gets creative and, you know, hangs a, uh, you know, PS4 controller inside their cabinet and uses the accelerometer on that. Cause I know you can turn that on, I believe. Um, and, uh, and do it that way. But, Sure, and I guess um, who's doing then the software coding? So they're they're building their own hardware to work with with effectively TPA. Yes. Who who's actually building the software? So who's developing the software to integrate with their hardware? Is Akuda doing that? Do they have their own software people doing that, or is it TPA? So it's uh, the, the the software is specifically designed for Arcuda's cabinets. Um, and it's Farsight that is the one that is coding it. Yeah. When it comes to the uh, the hardware and the boards, that's Arcuda coding it. Yeah, uh, sure. So from that, from that perspective, it makes perfect sense that they only are able to support their hardware because they don't have control over the software to support any other hardware anyway that's tpa right. right so i guess so so i understand that so i guess from that perspective though i probably have still the question of they're actually going after potentially a niche market and i'm not sure if they're, they're actually looking at also commercial like actual operators to put these things out and have them actually coin control i'm not sure if the licensing allows them to do that but um, they're clearly going for a very niche market with those machines. They're, they're not cheap machines, and, and no. granted, I know there's a lot of hardware and all the rest of it in there, so that that's cool. And the scope of pinball machines and their total costs—it's sort of right in the normal money area. But I guess I would I would think, well, why just go for that? If you got if you're developing hardware pieces, why not sell the hardware pieces as well as an option and still make money on the way through? And be able to provide those parts to people that can't necessarily outlay up to 10k on a machine but can build their own machine up over time using their parts 
um, you know, and th those those people would not buy that machine anyway. You know, they're not in the financial position to do so, but they would be buying their parts. And then again, just getting more of their product out there, more awareness, more exposure. You're sending out a message that you're not locking people out. You know, you're not again forcing people to buy something that they don't maybe cannot afford or they don't need. I'll well, take this one. So you take it. Yeah. So with this one. <laughs> It's interesting because if you start to sell the modules, like sell the, the tilt boards, sell the interface modules that allow you to power solenoids as separate units, and I, I know that you'll be aware of this as working in software, that then becomes a shelf product. So what you then need to be able to do is build a whole ecosystem around supporting that shelf product for a myriad of different software PC configurations. So you essentially have to build up a backplane of support um, people that will go, ah, oh, so how have you installed this particular board? Ah, oh, so you've got a, a GTX 960 and you've got this and you've got this technical like combination. What USB board, what interface driver are you using? Um, do you have the correct drivers installed? Do you have everything configured correctly? So you have all these extra layers of stuff that you need to then support by offering the board separately flip that around and say if you have a proprietary set of boards that work with a proprietary set of driver software that's installed on a box that you actually get with the game that starts to make things a lot more supportable yeah and 100 percent agree with you and understand where you're coming from there um and and yeah and I, the interesting thing there is that i don't think a lot of people understand that you know mm. I, I think a lot of people don't understand the business side of things to provide that level of support and the sheer cost behind it. I know, and I get that. Um, and sure, so they may have gone through all the modeling exercises and determined, hey, to sell these parts at this price point and make this X amount of profit to cover our support requirements and all that sort of stuff, it's not going to be worth doing that. Um, yeah, it's possible. So, so yeah, pos possible. Um, Again, you know, companies don't have to put their business plans on the table, and most people wouldn't. <laughs> would, they really would, would do. <laughs> <laughs> right? um, and, and most people probably wouldn't be interested anyway. But you know, th I guess that those are just some of the. There's some of the challenges, right? A lot of a lot of enthusiasts don't see the challenges of the business side. Yeah, um, and you know, and I can understand a lot of the things that TPA have done from a business perspective and i think i made mention on on my video that their business model is a fantastic business model probably for being a profitable development company um in terms of the way they've targeted multiple platforms and reuse their ip you know across as many platforms as they can probably at the lowest possible cost to them you know from a, from that side of things businesses are there to make money it's not a charity <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> um but i guess you know you can you can do that in such a way, I think, um, but still be nice to your customers. And, and sorry, that's probably a bit harsh, but I think you, you know, I think they've made a few missteps in terms of communication, which just they could have avoided quite easily, wouldn't have cost them anything, and just built up a better rapport with the community to help sell more product. Um, it seems like they've sold a lot of product anyway, so they, they probably haven't really thought of caring about that aspect of it. They probably looked at their their bottom line and gone, well, we're you know we're making good money out of this. Um, let's just keep churning that through. The model's working. Um, we don't need to spend cycles when we've got precious little time um, worrying about a small subset of the community and keeping them happy. 
Well, it's it's funny too because we honestly believe that Farsight had no intention of making this game beyond those first two years. Um, that's what the contract was for. Uh, that's why they front loaded it with all these, you know, the AAA titles. And I honestly don't believe that they expected it to take off. And then when it did take off, it kind of caught them unawares. And it was like, oh crap, we got to do this every month. How are we going to possibly keep up with this? And their first thing that they did to try and keep up with it was, hey, remember how we're releasing two tables a month? Yeah, we're only going to release one table a month now. And even that was too much for them. So it's, it's, I think they, they were behind the eight ball every single month. And it, it being in the beta testing, like wings that like both Chris and I were like, particularly on mobile, that like they were up to the day. Yeah. Putting things into the product to make sure that the thing didn't crash and that balls weren't going through walls that shouldn't be going through. And you could actually interact with things correctly in mobile. Like it was, it was down to the wire every single month. So I think that actually speaks to a lot of why things like these things like, you know, even head to head mode, for example, let's not even think about cabinet support mode, but the whole com- competitive aspects of it. Like there were things that they would probably have wanted to do, but they just, they couldn't, they were flat out just getting the tables out every month. And then you come to the end of the, um, the cycle where they stopped doing those monthly DLCs. And you were thinking, ah, finally, we can go, cool. Let's just stop for a minute and go, right, let's lay out a plan for the next one to two years about how we're now going to go back through and refine and tweak. And then the licensing landed on them. (laughs) And and it just all went out the window again, right? Yeah. It's shifting sands of being a software product developer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so with that with that time schedule i guess the expectations that, that they set is an interesting thing did you was, was that driven internally by farsight to ensure that from a development life uh, development cycle they would always push out a table or two tables as it was every month from a point of view of getting the revenue flowing in like if you don't give that to i mean if you don't give timelines and deadlines to developers, <laughs> nothing ever happens. Nothing ever happens. <laughs> nothing, nothing gets done, right? So, do you think that was a self-imposed thing, or do you think because I because th- I think the interesting thing there is is that the customers actually started expecting that monthly thing. Once you Absolutely. say that you're doing every month, and if you don't make that deadline, or if it comes out and the product's not not finished, a lot of bugs in it. You're going to get a whole lot of backlash and it's ironic in a way because the company set that and communicated that yeah. they could have actually just done that internally they could have just gone hey guys every month you guys have got to shoot out a table and if that slightly gets missed okay we'll deal with that internally we'll just release it on our normal schedules out to the public without them knowing that we're committing to a table every month i think they looked at uh the rock band model of releasing new music every month and went, Hey, that's a, that's a pretty good. And then combine that with, uh, at the time, this was the only program that Farsight was working on the only game that they were working on. And they were used to kind of turn out a game, support it for a little bit, move on to the next. And suddenly they had something that I think 
blew up a lot more than they were used to with any of the previous games that they'd ever made. Um, and there was such a demand being like, Hey, when's the next table come? When, you know, I mean, as soon as the table would come out, people were jumping on going, what's next? What's next? Yeah, absolutely. And, Everyone. and that became a game for them. They were like, Oh man, look, check this out. We got some buzz going and we didn't even have to tell them what's next. And people are frothing at the mouth, you know? In fact, on the forum, there's like these speculation threads that are like seasons out yeah. in length about speculating what was going to be in the next season. Like when the first, when the when one season started, the next season speculation thread started up. Yeah. Like it was just this insatiable appetite for the community, and they could feel it. And obviously, they thought, well, the appetite's there. Let's play to it. And and when they were making the games at the level they were making them for those first two seasons, I think it was sustainable. But then people started making demands on them and saying, hey, you're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. We expect this. We want this. We want this particular thing emulated, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they realized, well, if we want to keep on these people, we need to improve our game. But we don't have time to really do the big giant improvement. So we're just going to patch it together. Meanwhile, Zen's over there releasing a table every three months, four months, going laughing, you know. <laughs> With very little bug patching after the fact. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a. a they, they kind of did it to themselves and never expected uh, and and I joked with with them when I was up there I said you know you've got all these millions of downloads and then but you really pay attention to those of us that are in the forum and we number at any given time active users probably on the high side it would be 2000 people um I mean that'd be on the really high side I I imagine and we're the ones that are really driving you so on that aspect, they were actually paying attention to the community and catering to us. Um, so it, it's one of those things where I have a hard time faulting them, but I completely agree there was a better way of doing it too. Yeah. And I look at the end of the day, that specifically obviously helps their revenue and sales anyway, that particular aspect. Of, yeah. You know, if you looked at it, yes, they're serving the community by providing these tables on a regular basis. And that's an awesome thing. But yeah. really, fundamentally, it's revenue through the door to keep paying the staff and, and, keep and the lights on, on, basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I know you had asked me about what, you know, you, you already asked what uh, Farsight's target audience was, but you had also asked what Arcuda's target audience is. And I think mm. that's also something that's a bit of a, a confusing. And part of the confusion comes from, Arcuda is having to release their product before it's quite ready because of this license loss. They had it all planned out. However, they're going to make a big splash and, you know, lay it all out. So everybody understood what their, what their goal was here. Um, and instead is kind of starting with the pinball market, but their, their idea is that it's, this machine is going to be a, for any style of gameplay. Um, and that's whether it's pinball or traditional arcade. Because that's the other thing that it hasn't really come out yet is that this cabinet's going to be able to play not not emulated games, but actually licensed arcade games on it um, with the joystick attachment that'll go on the front of the machine. Whether you want to play the vertical play field or play you know up on the back box with the horizontal uh, play field. And it's the whole thing is designed to be plug and play. So it's kind of ease of use thing. Um, 
you want to plug your consoles in, you plug them in, you can play them on this thing. You want to take your phone and play, you know, whatever game, mobile game you play on it, boom, you plug it in, you've got the touchscreen. Now it's a giant phone and you can use the whole touchscreen, you know, in, in that fashion. Uh, so it's kind of, it's, it's for an audience that wants many games, but in a single unit, you know, they don't have your space <laughs> or, well, maybe you don't even have the space either. You're just willing to fill it up with, you know, your machines and stuff, but it's, it's, they've got a designated amount of space and this is going to allow them to have the biggest bang for their buck or, uh, you know, maybe it's for a location operator. Uh, you know, if you go into a bar where they only have two machines set up or something like that, well, Hey, if you have this machine set up, it's going to take care of a lot of, of, uh, uh, space issues, you know, problems like that. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you got to think bigger than just the home market, uh, bigger than just the pinball cabinet market. They're going after the entire, anybody that would ever be interested in buying basically a multi-cade, um, and kind of going after that. So the other thing that you would kind of ask was what's Arcuda's position within the pinball community? Um, and how that deals with, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but Arcuda, they, and Arcuda, as well as highway games, they're part of, uh, the highway group and they've been in the coin op business for over 30 years. They were the Bally Williams distributors in Australia. Um, they had a, apparently a bunch of star Wars episode ones that they wound up shipping back to the U S and selling in that, uh, regard and they're currently handling the distribution of uh home pins thunderbirds pinball so they understand the the operators <laughs> uh out there and and that whole kind of arena you know they're they're arcade people yeah and and um i again i think that level of insight is so important for people to understand you know the way that people go and play games now in arcades of course it's different to when you, you guys, you guys look sort of similar. In age yeah. To me. <laughs> but, um, you know, when, when we used to go, the, the, the arcades were very different. The machines were different. Technology was different. The experience was different, right? But today yes. it's a very different, you know, when my kids go into an arcade and the machines that they gravitate towards are not necessarily the machines I gravitate towards. So that market's changed. That's the market that clearly you're serving if you are giving machines to operators that's going to get their most income from. Um, and so I can I can definitely see that. You know, I can see the sort of multi thing, as you say, space saving area, but being able to provide a whole load of different experiences in the one machine makes a hell of a lot of sense. You'd be able to dial it up, change it, mix it for the particular environment off the one machine. Um, maybe it doesn't have necessarily the, you know, the real pinball experience, you know, even from the fact that the, the front area, I believe, is sort of set back a bit to make way for the, you know, the controller. The yeah. yeah that, Sort of stuff um you know i don't think that matters i don't think that matters for that but again I, you know i i think this all comes down to when they market that product then go for that you know go that this is a commercial thing it can have all the you know, multi games for operators you know this is what we're doing it for also if you want it at home blah 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 you know it's a secondary market it's not as important to them this is not for real pinball enthusiasts but this is for enjoying a pinball experience and a ton of other stuff and really beef it up and position it for what it is and i think there's just not enough of that it's the marketing positioning 
which is so unclear that it leaves people like us who are enthusiasts to go, well, why hasn't it got this? Why hasn't it got that? It's like, well, it's not serving for you. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't think it's also necessarily fair to say that it's not for the pinball enthusiast because it is a PC running Steam. Um, You can run Visual Pinball on it. You can run Zen on it. You can run Zachariah on it. Uh, you're going to be able to run all of these, anything that has cabinet mode, you're going to be able to run time shock on it. And, uh, presumably, you know, it has the shaker motors in it. It has the coils built into it. So it's going to feel like a real, you're going to get that experience. Um, it just happens to be, that's the only cabinet that's going to let you have that experience with Farsight's pinball arcade offerings sure that makes makes perfect sense so um i don't know boy we've uh we've filled out this hour uh yeah how'd that happen jeez how did that happen (laughs) you talk so much greg um (laughs) and that's saying something because we're talking about chris here (laughs) um is there there anything else that uh that you want us to clear up for you greg um, look, I think in general, I, you know, I, I had some some quite specific questions that I sent through to you previously, and we may not have touched on some of those um, in a targeted way, but I think the general discussion covers a lot of that anyway. Yeah. And I, I've mm. really enjoyed actually having this more broader uh, discussion about it. And um, you know, and I just want to say, like, hats off to to, to Farsight and, and the Cuda, um and for what they are building. Um, you know, it's without those sort of people, we'd be completely dead in the water. And I think, you know, yeah. people should appreciate what we have. I mean, often yeah. <laughs> we often get on our high horse too quickly to start bashing these companies down when really we should be sitting back and going, wow, look at look at what they've actually managed to develop here. I mean, it's it's damn incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, we should be appreciative of that. We should support it as much as we can. If we don't agree with certain things or whatever, you know, we're all entitled to our opinions. But overall, I think, you know, everyone should get get behind these sorts of organizations and, and, and help them out for what they're trying to do. Yeah, I agree. The thing that it's going to be really interesting to see is that when the cabinet actually does start to be delivered to people's homes and people start to, you know, they invite their mates over for a beer and they start playing this, what will be interesting to see from my perspective is will this cabinet open up the concept or the idea of digital pe- uh, digital pinball cabinets to more people? Because I think one of the hardest things to do, I'm sure that you can probably have many stories about this, is working out how to actually set one up to start with and actually doing the construction, doing the build, sinking the hours upon hours you have to do into making one of these things stand up. And it might get to the tipping point where you go, well, I could spend literally $11,000 Australian on one of these, or I could have a go doing it myself and then work out that it's probably going to be about (laughs) $11,000 to actually do something to this level of integration and this sort of feeling. So in a way, I actually think that Akuda might be kind of like the home console version of, of digital pinball cabs. Um, you Definitely. Know? 
and there's definitely a market there for that you know and, and you only need to go to the vp forums and just see the sheer amount of people that are confused on a daily basis trying to get their stuff <laughs> oh that program's uh, <laughs> And even for myself, you know, I'm fairly seasoned with it, but it's, uh, you know, I'll turn on the machine, I'll be like, what's going to happen today? Um, you know, <laughs> it's a new and interesting experience every time you power it on. Because <laughs> definitely yeah. the idea with Arcuda is you're going to open the box, you're going to put the legs on, you're going to plug that thing in, turn it on, and you're going to be able to start playing. And there's huge value in that. There's a yeah. massive, and from an operator perspective, out on location, you need that level of reliability. Oh, yeah. um, and home point of view there's plenty of people as you say jared that's a great point um there's going to be people that just want a plug and play solution and just enjoy playing the damn game instead yeah of, instead it's, of it's kind of similar to the hot rod market you know where it's like well there's some people that want to you know they want to wrench on a car and build the thing out themselves and there's other people who are just like i don't got time for that i just want to drive the thing and look cool you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> um <laughs> Hey, folks, uh, if you've enjoyed our time here with Greg, you should go check out his channel on uh, YouTube. It's uh, Spacey's Arcade. Just enter that in the search bar. You'll find his videos. Go ahead and uh, subscribe. Why don't you get him back over a 1,000 so he can start collecting uh, coffee money again? Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> muffins, muffins and coffee. I'll make sure to link you through on the uh, show notes when I do the post-production on the episode, Greg. And then, uh, and then then make sure you also go visit uh, his his twitter site because he's woefully low on on people i mean i thought we were low but uh, we might be able to get you another 10 yeah so, uh, so go, <laughs> go visit Spacey's arcade That's yeah, no, I, I i haven't told anyone about that twitter account <laughs> um, I, set it up. I did a few because you know what i thought if i'm going to commit to this i need to you know commit to taking regular twitter stuff yeah. i mm -hmm. thought you do that and I and I tested it for a while, and I realized they see no, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone about it. But anyway, maybe I need to start doing it. We're, now. we're, we're telling everybody it's at Spacey's Arcade. Uh, so go ahead and uh, subscribe to that. And while you're subscribing, you better subscribe to us at Blockade, and uh, we'll let you subscribe to either mine, which is at Shut Your Traps, or his, which is at Jared Morris. Mm. Make sure you also go ahead and hop on our website, which is blockadepinball.com slash episodes. And there you will be able to find links to things like what we're referring to here, which is the YouTube channel of Greg's and uh, as well as timing notes. And Jared has been known to throw in a picture or video or two uh, relating to what we're talking about. If I can find them on the internet. If, yeah. if you can find them. Otherwise you just have to suffer with my movie reviews. Uh <laughs> So yeah, uh, here we go. This is uh, this is it for this episode. It was uh, a lot of fun talking to you, Greg. Next week, we have no idea what we're talking about, and it's wonderful. Yep. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen next week? Oh, <laughs> maybe the there'll Twitter's be. I don't place. know. We we are firmly in the camp, Greg, that there is going to be another company doing these tables, uh, and we have a. We, we, we have a feeling know. that they were being nice, that, that letting all this play out until the thirtieth, and then after the thirtieth is going to be announced. So who knows? It might be this week. It might be next week. It might be a month or two from now. I don't know. But now that's what we're we got our eyeballs staring at is is there going to be announcement at all? And if there isn't, boy, it's going to be a long bit of us waiting for something to happen and not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. So that does it for us. Uh, again, thanks, Greg. Thank and you very much. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, no, thank you. And we will talk to you all again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Wizardamusement.com, the site to visit for custom pinball shooter rods. Easy to install, totally unique. Mention Blockade Podcast for 10% off your order. Wizardamusement.com, sales, restoration, customization. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast hosting service that Blockade is delivered to. We can't improve unless you tell us how. Now stop listening and play some pinball.